0: Read it in 1 Timothy chapter 6. You'll remember that there's, it's a continuation then from the, the explanation that we find in chapter 5, the, the three honors to honor widows, and then after that in verse 17 to honor elders, and then we get to chapter 6 to regard your masters as worthy of, of all honor. And then we see that this third honor receives some extra attention as the apostle deals with more questions concerning the attitude of the rich. And so we read together the main parts of this chapter that deal with that, verses 1 to 12, and then verses 17 to 19. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting at verse 1, you'll find that on page 993, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, And constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich... Fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then also verses 17 to 19. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future." so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God created people with ambition. Ambition is a strong desire to achieve a goal, a determination that gives Purpose and meaning to our activities. We can picture uh, somebody driving a race car, a little race car, and, and getting close to the finish line and seeing that finish line. That's the ambition. You want to get there. You're determined. And then people ask us, and maybe you've been asked and you have to think about it, what is your ambition in life? Children, what do you, be, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's the question. What is the ultimate goal of the university degrees degrees that you are pursuing? Why did you choose the career that you choose? Why? And even if you didn't choose your career now that you're there, what is it that motivates you to get up in the mornings? How Will your activities of each day serve the greater goal that you are pursuing? Ambition always gives us a little bit of dissatisfaction with where we are at the moment, where we are at the moment, and then focus. And this forces us to grow and to move forward. That is very good if we have biblical other directed focus to our ambition. However, if the focus of our ambition is more selfish and is only related to our social position or to money or to comforts, well, it can cause some very serious problems in the household of God. And in our text today, the Holy Spirit shows us some of these problems and warns us that if earthly riches are the focus of our ambition, well, we will be very disappointed. But there is another way to find peace and joy. And the gospel message I preach to you is that if you are in Christ Jesus, you don't need to live your life running after earthly riches. When you believe in Jesus Christ and belong to his kingdom, then you already are the richest kid in the universe. And you already have all the joy and the the satisfaction and the peace and the riches that anyone could work for. Why? Why? Would a rich king spend his life looking for pennies in the dark sewers where he just grows stinkier and grumpier? Why would a Christian turn away from the eternal king and the eternal comforts in Christ Jesus to run after stuff that just rusts and rots and turns them into unpleasant people. Well, brothers and sisters, you don't need to because Christ Jesus has changed your heart, has changed the focus of your ambition forever. When you belong to him, you have a different way of looking at life. And I preach to you this gospel, the gospel that our riches in Christ define the focus of our ambition. A Christian's ambition is characterized by cooperation, not selfishness, contentment, not greed, and confidence, not uncertainty. In the first verses of our text today, the Holy Spirit shows us that selfish ambition to, to climb the socio economic ladder can make it difficult for bondservants to respect their masters. Although today we do not speak of bondservants or slaves and masters, the basic concept of a boss and an employee brings us into very similar situations as those that stand behind our text. In Paul's day, if someone wanted to get work done in his household or in his business, he would purchase people to do the work and then provide them with food and shelter and clothing. Today, to get the same kind of work done, whether it be teaching or deliveries or accounting or sales or house maintenance and construction or hard labor in another way, well, we just purchase a person's time and abilities and let them find their own food and clothing and shelter. Although a bondservant or a slave, he did have a, a lower social position than workers today. And he had a lack of freedom that made him or her much more vulnerable to the abuses of oppressive masters. Employees in 2017 can still recognize the sinful desires of their own hearts in Paul's instruction both in Ephesians and in the passage we just we have as a text, 1 Timothy 6. Today also, we need the Holy Spirit to lead us in obedience to the fifth commandment as he teaches us to give honor to the employers that he has placed over us. It's very emphasized in Ephesians 6, verse 5 to 9. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us then to work faithfully to this employer and not waste our time while working our paid time on social media and sending texts and Facebook or whatever it is. Our text speaks to that honor your employers. And although there are no bond servants and masters in the business world today, we can understand why a slave might become jealous of the success of their masters. For we also can sometimes resent the profit that our bosses make from our labor. As the Spirit teaches us, we are led to pray that we might honor our employers with humility and faithful servants' service. And then you see that in verse one, so that the name of God And the teaching may not be reviled. What does your employer learn about the God that you serve when he or she looks at your work ethic and your service? In our text today, then we move beyond just the general instruction for employers And we see that the bond servant's struggle to honor his master was even more difficult when their masters were brothers in the faith. Ambitious for personal gain and feeling a little hindered by their masters who received the benefits of their labor, they felt justified in disrespecting their employers. And once again, this struggle... Is not far from many of us, especially those who who work for brothers or sisters in the Lord. Or many of us go to shops that are owned by believers. Did you ever have the selfish thought that they owe you special deals and promotions to help you get ahead just because they are your brothers or sisters? did you ever speak disrespectfully or, or resentfully about them because you felt that they were hindering your rise to greater heights? I think we can understand Paul when he points out how selfish ambition for riches or social position can take away the joy of serving Christian bosses. Ambition is often the mother of envy, especially for people who forget their riches in Christ Jesus. So how does our perspective change when we start from the perspective that any Christian in whatever social position in society is actually part of the richest crowd in the universe? What if that's our starting point? When we realize that in Christ Jesus, we are heirs to eternal life together without any merit of our own, we see the focus of our ambition changes drastically. And we are able to deal in a healthy way with our different roles and positions. If you look around, you could see it. All the different roles and positions right here in this congregation. And the first thing we realize is that we don't need to earn standing in the eyes of the world in order to be more valuable in God's eyes. In God's kingdom, we are already all equals in Jesus Christ. We are equals even to fellow Christians who may be more powerful or more rich than we are in the eyes of the world. And the second thing that we realize is that in the big eternal picture, we are subjects of the same king. Everyone here, young or old, rich or poor, and we are all seeking the advance of the same kingdom. And selfish ambition hinders the advance of the kingdom of God or laziness as an employee hinders the advance of the kingdom of God, and it actually causes envy and dissension and fighting in the church. But cooperation with our Christian employers serves, serves the kingdom of God, serves the, the furtherance of the kingdom of God, and, and beyond that it shows love to our fellow Christians, our fellow believers who want the same things that we do. Even though we have different wages and different social positions and different responsibilities in the kingdom of God, as it advances, those who have the Holy Spirit will want to cooperate with others in love because they truly seek first the kingdom of God. We can see that we seek the kingdom of God in the way that we do our work, in our relations with one another, employees and employers. Christ's victory and the guarantee of our eternal life in Jesus Christ gives us peace with our different social, economic positions in the church and fills our hearts with a deep and a humble contentment. The key principle underlying every conversation about social position, work, and riches is that principle we read in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 to 8. Godliness with contentment is great gain. In our text today, the Holy Spirit shows that, that greedy ambition can corrupt even leaders in the church. You can see that verses 3 to 10. And and these leaders were so eager to have some sort of gain from their their knowledge, so-called knowledge, that they, they tried to, they even ended up dividing the church through their empty talk. And they were going through religious motions just for their own personal gain. Churches, And pastors, led by the Holy Spirit, will be very careful that they don't compare the church to a business or the calling of a minister to regular paid employment. In the church where Timothy was serving, greedy ambition led some of the leaders to imagine that godliness was a means of gain. Similar to some of the widows that we read about earlier in chapter 5. In our text, the Holy Spirit shows that they were wrong in their idea about godliness, and they were wrong that it was a means to gain. Paul first shows that their idea of godliness was wrong because it failed two tests. The first test that they failed was the test of content. These leaders were so eager for that gain, and they were so puffed up, arrogant, That they taught things that don't agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's verse 3. And then they went beyond that and they made up issues in an attempt to appear important to gain money, to justify gaining some money. Instead of seeking peace, they had an unhealthy craving for controversy and were aching for the next quarrel about words, even though they didn't understand anything. The first test they failed was content. The second test they failed was the test of usefulness. Their teaching didn't bring people to godliness. Their teaching actually destroyed the fellowship between believers. Paul says their leadership produced, and you can read it in verses four and five, envy, dissension, Slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Well, with preaching like that from leaders who only pretended to be godly so that they could gain something for themselves, it is no wonder That the bond servants, the slaves, were disrespecting their masters. And Paul says that the sinful leaders were deprived of the truth. And what truth is it? The truth that godliness is a means, or godliness with contentment is greater gain. They were deprived of the truth that gain for believers is not earned through a show of godliness but through a real connection to Jesus Christ. When we truly believe in all the sound words of Jesus Christ about all that he has accomplished for us, that faith connects us to all Christ's benefits. And we immediately recognize that Jesus Christ has already given us everything we need. This godliness with contentment is a great gain for believers. For now we know, we know without a doubt that we can depend on him completely rather than try, earn something for ourselves to be self-sufficient. As church we are Christ-sufficient rather than self-sufficient. We brought nothing into this relationship with God and we can add nothing to what Christ has done for us. If we have food and covering, clothing and shelter, we will be content with that because we know that in Christ we are already a part of an eternal kingdom. The content heart is a heart that stays focused on all that we already have in Jesus Christ. It is a heart that recognizes that any other riches and any other comforts that we gain in this life are just a bonus. No one owes them to us. We have the riches in Christ. And may we always be known as content servants of God, and not as slaves to work, slaves to temporary riches. Paul writes to Timothy urging him to be a leader who flees these things. That's verse 11. And his instruction for Timothy is easily applied to all believers today, both the rich and the poor. What are what are these things that people who are content in Jesus Christ will want to flee from? What, is, what are these things that Paul is talking about? Christians who want to remain in the contentment that comes from Christ Jesus will want to flee from the dangerous desire to be rich. Verse 9. As if our ambition in this life is to be rich. Christians will flee from the love of money because they recognize it as a root of all kinds of evil. We often talk like this. As the Spirit places that on our heart, we we look, what is my ambition in life? Let us flee these dangerous desires like we flee from the devil himself. Because he uses it as a trap to make us discontent, to lead us into temptation. When your hearts get set on foolish and harmful cravings, and I'm just quoting the text, Foolish and harmful cravings for for one more adventure, one more car, one more home, one more thousand dollars. You will stop looking at the eternal kingdom of God and all that God has promised you in Christ Jesus. Your head will go from looking up to, to looking down to your things. Is your greedy ambition making it hard for you to find time for your husband or your wife or your children? Does it leave you lonely, lonely, like the rich fool in Jesus' parable in Luke 12 who could only talk to himself in the end because no one was left with him to enjoy his plenty? Is your pursuit of happiness in earthly possessions, taking you away from your worship, from your rest on the Lord's Day, from reading the Bible with your family. Why would a child of God and a subject of the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ turn away from God's grace and God's work and continue on the road to what Paul says to ruin and destruction? Why would a king spend his life looking for pennies in the sewers? And when we understand our eternal comforts in Christ, we will be content. And never give up all that we have in Him in order to try and satisfy ourselves with temporary treasures that, well, they get destroyed by rust and moth. kind of keeps us busy. We have to keep replacing it. But we have confidence and not uncertainty when we are in Christ. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, Paul warns that wealth can make people haughty. And so convinced that their riches can make them happy, that they have trouble seeing the promise of future glory, which is only found in God. As we sang in Psalm 49, those who abandon God and put their hope in the uncertainties of riches, are very quickly disappointed. And some are a little slower to realize than others. Ecclesiastes 5 emphasizes that the uncertainty... And the lack of true comfort for those who put their trust in riches. And if you look at those verses, you can see again, if, if you put your trust in those, in those riches, you will isolate yourselves from others. Verse 10 says, you will never have enough. Verse 17 says, you will pass your days in darkness, vexation, sickness, and anger. Verses 13 and 14 tells us why. It says because the hope of wealth is so uncertain. And verses 15 and 16 say whatever you gain in this life, you'll just lose when you die anyways. So what are you left with? What are you left with? So how can you have confidence about the focus of your ambition? If your ambition in life is to be rich, to have lots of stuff, the confidence only comes When we ground our future in the finished work of our victorious Jesus Christ and do what Paul says in verse 11, pursue righteousness and then fight the good fight and take hold of the eternal life to which we have been called and make the good confession in the presence of many witnesses when we flee from the love of money, that doesn't mean that we don't have anything positive, any positive motivation to get up every morning. It means, doesn't mean we don't have any reason to go study in university and, and to have an ambition in life to work hard at our career. Godly ambition makes us want to pursue things. That's right. Pursue six virtues, beautiful virtues that Christ Jesus obtained for us. And Paul lists in verse 11 righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. The ambition in the life of the follower of King Jesus Christ is to take hold of all that he has obtained for us, to make these things visible in our lives. And I'll tell you, that takes a lot of work. There's a lot of blessings we have to take hold of it and to let them be seen in our lives. And when these virtues are present in our lives, it, it looks completely different than the life of anyone who, who just wants to get rich. When our righteousness and godliness is is given to us in Christ Jesus, our fear is replaced with faith. And we have a strong desire to show love to God and to our neighbor. This is a great ambition to have in your life. To tell somebody, I want to study and proclaim our righteousness in Christ. I want to show my thankfulness to God by using the gifts he has given to me to glorify God, to love my neighbor through raising godly children, through science and medicine, through teaching, through business, through construction, through engineering, through the arts, and the list continues. That is the way that the children of God speak about their ambition in this life. I will pursue steadfastness. That's holding to your convictions in the midst of a hostile environment. I will pursue steadfastness and gentleness in my life. Maybe by using my my free time as an empty nester or retired member to defend the church from attacks, to, to give support to organizations that do that, to share my faith. To encourage and help the downtrodden and the vulnerable. Our riches in Christ define the focus of our ambition because we don't need to get more, because we have a fullness and a freedom in that fullness. And so we don't have to chase after the things the world values. We are kingdom focused. And brothers and sisters, this is the good fight of the faith that the Holy Spirit calls us to fight. It is a voluntary service that is reserved only for those who believe in Jesus Christ, who believe that he is victorious, not just in words, but who are willing to throw their life into that conviction and that statement. Many people have decided that the battle conditions of food and covering are simply not worth, they're not worth it. They've gone back to the side of the enemy where everyone is feasting and partying in a frenzy before they're defeated. But those who believe in Jesus Christ and know that, and know that the fight is a good one because they are certain of his victory, we continue on step by step, confident on the goal, We flee the temptation of selfishly seeking personal gain. We desire to display the the virtues that Jesus Christ has given to us. Those six virtues of verse 11 and righteousness and godliness. They're like a uniform that we wear when we follow Jesus Christ, the victorious King. And then we take hold of that eternal life to which he has called us. And we confess before many witnesses... We belong to Jesus Christ who has bought us with his precious blood. He has given us an eternal treasure and has richly provided us with everything we need. And Look at the word in the text, to enjoy, for our enjoyment. Our hope is in God and not in our earthly riches. And we will prove this by how we live our lives. You will see the joy You will see the confidence. You know how? in The face of the temptation to be selfish and proud, we will do good. That's what he says in the text, verse 17, we'll be rich in good works. Rather than set our hopes on the uncertainty of of riches that are here one day and gone the next, we will recognize that the money is actually not our own given to us to be used to be generous ready to share and brothers and sisters the goal in our lives is not to be wealthy with earthly riches that's way below us who belong to the kingdom of Jesus Christ that's like looking in the sewer for pennies but the goal in our lives is to continue to live in the kingdom of God forever. And by the grace of God, we will invest in the certainty of the kingdom of God and the certainty of the victory of Jesus Christ and we will invest with confidence rather than hope in something like money that can be gone tomorrow. What a joy, what a joy it is. To be completely confident that our Christ-centered ambition in life will be realized. We will take hold of that eternal life we already have. Because it doesn't depend on us, but it depends on the promise of the eternal God who has already given us these eternal pleasures in Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll now sing together Psalm 112.